the Application Security Podcast. Here we go. Hey folks, this is Chris, and on this episode of the Application Security Podcast, Robert and I are trying a new format where we're going to talk about a couple of different topics in a little bit of a shorter burst. So on this episode, we're going to talk about some upcoming changes that are happening to the Proactive Controls Project at OWASP. We're going to talk about AppSec USA, and then we'll finish the conversation speaking about the new Magic Quadrant for Application Security. I guess the first thing I wanted to uh, bring up in our conversation here is the OWASP proactive controls. So we've mentioned the proactive controls a couple of times in the last few episodes when we had uh, Dave come on and talk about, he, he really focused us in on the actual proactive controls and took us through the document and explained it to us. And then we had Jim Manico on. And he's one of the project leads for Proactive Control. So he also did made some references to it and kind of brought it into our back into our attention as well. Um, so I guess one of the big things that's happening is I just heard there's a new update to the Proactive Controls. Right. So the, the previous version was 2.0. So the latest one is now 3.0. Just came out, as you mentioned today, announcement that it's been generally available for review. Uh, for everyone to take a look at it and uh, make some comments. Yeah, which is kind of the OWASP way to put stuff out there and then let other people kind of have a chance to take a look at it and see you know, what, uh, what, what they might be able to think about the changes. Um, as I'm scanning down the list of the changes here and looking at the document, and just so folks know, the proactive controls, uh, they're making this update as a public Google Doc that anybody can add comments to and anybody can suggest changes to kind of in real time. So if you do want to go take a closer look at this, uh, we'll, we'll make the link available based on what we know it to be as of today on the uh, posting for this episode. So uh, folks can actually go take a look at this themselves. And if you see something or if you want to contribute to it, once again, it's OWASP, it's open source, it's free to use, but that also means that there's no one behind the scenes who's making millions of dollars for creating and working on this project. So um, folks can go ahead and go take a look at it themselves. So if I look at the a couple of the changes that I'm seeing now, it looks like they renamed the first one, um, Build Security into Software Early and in- Intentionally. Yeah, that, that looks right. It seems... I mean, it's similar to what it was, but it, it is definitely renamed. Yeah, so they, I think they added some of that intentionally thing to it. Um, the second, so they, they've added, they've, they've changed one of them into this, this idea of secure database access. So instead of kind of focusing in on SQL injection, it almost seems like they've taken a step back and are now kind of making a more, taking a more general approach to dealing with databases versus just hyper-focusing on SQL injection. Right. So uh, interesting that, you know, as you mentioned, before it was parameterized queries. Now it's secure database access. So that, that seems like it may include quite a few more things. Yeah. And there's um, it looks like they're still in the process of kind of working through what the additions are going to be to that. Uh, but still, I think it's going in the right way. And um, I've been a huge proponent of this this document in general since I saw it. Uh, and we've been talking about it here more on the show. I think it's it's something that's very underutilized as well in the industry. 
Right. Well, there's still a lot of people that don't know about it. I've talked to several, and they know about the OWASP Top 10, but not about the proactive controls, which is, you know, again, why we keep talking about it, trying to get the word out. Yeah. So did they change up this fifth one as well? It says implement strong digital identity. Yeah, that looks different. Yeah, I think it used to be something about authentication or, or whatever that it was focused on. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think we can just encourage our listeners that are already involved in AppSec to go out and take a look at this document and see kind of what you might be able to recommend or what you can learn based on the changes. But we recommend that folks get out there and actually contribute along the way. So I guess the second thing, Robert, I wanted to talk about is there is a an upcoming conference that is put on by the good folks at OWASP called AppSec USA. And since we are the AppSec podcast, it almost seems like we should talk about AppSec USA and kind of what that is. So have you had a chance to uh, attend AppSec USA before? Yes, I've been to a couple of them. Uh, It's really a, a great conference. I enjoy it. I enjoy meeting some people that are coming from all over the country and sometimes even from Europe and other places as well. But uh, it's, it's definitely a, a good place to be for application security enthusiasts to uh, learn some things about application security. Lots of great talks. Uh, definitely also lots of great opportunities in the hallways to meet people and, and talk about these topics. Yeah, we were talking about that last week in, in reference to your experiences at Black Hat about how the hallway conversations is almost – as great as the talks and things that you'll experience and kind of the learning side. So conferences and AppSec USA is no different. The relationships that you can build by being there in that environment is just huge because you can meet people that you might follow on Twitter, for example. I think that's, that's, a, I, that's a blast to me when I'm at a conference and I connect with somebody who I've communicated with back and forth on Twitter for years and have never had the chance to actually um, shake hands with and say hello to in person. Uh, it's just it's really fun to connect with people in that way. Yeah, I agree. And I've done the same thing where you know, we, we talk on Twitter, we message, we go back and forth, and then find out, hey, they're at this conference. Let's go, uh, let's go meet and uh, get a coffee or lunch or something. And, yeah, that's, it's a great, great thing to be able to connect with people face-to-face and not just over email or Twitter or something like that. Yeah, great and I'm, place. I'm remembering, like, you and I, we actually met for the first time at AppSec I was thinking USA that, too. It in was San Francisco, right? right? That was that, two right. years ago. Yeah, so that's – I mean, and, and so that's kind of – this this podcast probably never would have happened if you and I hadn't actually had a chance to connect after a talk that I did at AppSec USA that year. And that was kind of what started us – chatting back and forth and looking for ways to work together and then this podcast kind of kind of came out of that experience so i think that's actually uh that's another good positive of what can come out of just going and meeting people yeah agree agree i was thinking the same thing i thought you know it was it was two years ago at in san francisco that uh, right after your talk we met yeah and so I'm, I'm kind of scanning the appsec usa uh program and website and stuff for this year and you know they definitely there's some really good stuff that's going to be happening there um jim manico is one of the keynote speakers who will uh who was was with us a few weeks ago um jen ellis infosec jen from rapid seven uh she's going to be another one of the keynotes they got a few other folks and appsec usa always has a great mix of technical they fo- focus heavily on the technical side of application security and people that 
that are solving problems. Um, they do a little bit of the vulnerability perspective and challenges and things that people are uncovering through the vulnerability process. But they really do have a lot of good stuff on AppSec programs and case studies and things where people have been successful. So I've always enjoyed to uh, be a consumer and sit in and listen to a lot of the talks that happen at AppSec USA. Yeah, me too. I think that, uh, I mean, there's, like you said, there's quite a, a range of of talks and, and discussions that, that happen in terms of uh, fundamentals. I like those when you have some people that may be new, they need to learn those as well. And then some more uh, deep dives. I, I like those and seeing those in there. And, and then anything in, anything in between. So uh, you get quite a bit of uh options when you go to a, a conference like this. And the other thing I like, you know, different from a Black Hat or a DEF CON, especially for us in application security, is it is application security. Uh, it's it's not uh, network. It's not, you know, infrastructure. It's really focused on application security uh, from, you know, many ranges there, as we mentioned. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great place to be. Yeah, and uh, I'm just once again scanning the list of potential talks and I probably shouldn't be clicking on things that I want to see here at this point but I kind of was. Uh, just so folks know, so AppSec USA takes place this year in Orlando, Florida and the conference runs from Tuesday, September 19th through Friday, September 22nd and what they do at AppSec USA is for Tuesday and Wednesday they actually do training classes Oh, Robert, did you just drive off on your Harley there, right in the middle of the podcast? No, I came back. <laughs> he's been on his. Uh, he's been riding on his Harley all day long here. Just kidding, folks. So on Tuesday and Wednesday at Epsec USA, they do a series of different training uh, sessions that are happening one and two days. And uh, I'll actually be doing an AppSec Fundamentals training class on Wednesday, September 20th at AppSec USA. This class is aimed at those that are new. A lot of the people we're trying to reach here in our podcast. Folks that are uh, have an interest in AppSec, but maybe they have a development background or a sysadmin background, but they don't have the actual kind of foundational understanding. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on. And Robert, I know you're going to be doing something at the Developer Summit, right? Correct. Yeah, I'm going to be speaking on Tuesday, Developer Summit morning session. Uh, my topic is going to be actually something we've also talked about here on Application Security Podcast about Threat Dragon. Uh, taking a look at that threat modeling and threat dragon, I'll be uh, doing a workshop on that, and that's you know Mike Goodwin talked about that uh, with us uh, threat dragon, and so it'll be a, a nice introduction just to, to people to understand what it is, and as well as I'm going to talk about some threat modeling in there, and there are several other options there uh, at this conference which I'm really looking forward to as well on threat modeling, uh, but that's my particular offering on Tuesday morning. Yeah, and that's uh, that's exciting and. Um Encourage folks to get out. And, uh, and if you're at the conference, uh, Robert and I, like we just alluded to, are both going to be there. So uh, we'd love to meet anybody who actually listens to the AppSec podcast. We'd love to meet anybody. But we'd also really like to meet anybody who actually listens in on this podcast, regular listeners. And um, so, yeah, pay attention on Twitter to the AppSec podcast Twitter feed. We may uh, schedule an impromptu meetup or something depending on how many people we learn that are running around AppSec USA. So we'd love to meet as many of you as possible and uh, hear your feedback on the show and any suggestions you'd have for things we could do in the future as well. So the third topic, Robert, I wanted to talk about relatively quickly is 
There was a uh, the good folks at Gartner put out this magic quadrant types of analysis industry analyses, and uh, they just released one on it's called the magic quadrant for application security testing, and we've talked with our listeners here quite a bit about the different types of application security testing that's out there but i think it's important to take a second and kind of kind of dig a little bit into what gartner's saying and kind of how they're you know referencing the different types of technologies and where they see the players because it does give you some idea as to who you can look at if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking hey i want to we don't have any application security testing engaged in our program and we want to get some, um, this is a way that you can kind of learn some things about what's out there in the industry and you can kind of figure out, hey, what uh, what type of company should I be looking at and what type of solution should I be looking at? Right. So, yeah, it seems that it, it profiles some of these companies, it profiles some of their products and, and some of the things that they're offering. And, and so it's an interesting report. Yeah, I think the I like to start looking at uh, in a lot of these reports they do the strategic planning type of things and they tend to throw out some numbers there and that that can help people like us that are heavily involved in AppSec and we're always looking for statistics to throw around. I mean they're saying by 2019, 80% of application security testing vendors will include software composition analysis in their offerings up from 40% today. So basically the vendors are going to be modifying their technology to be able to analyze the what what actually exists on the inside of the software. Um, and but the other big thing they're showing is by 2019 enterprise interactive application security testing will have exceeded 30% and then they're saying RASP the runtime application self protection is will be no more than 10%. So they're 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 saying that there's going to be some penetration in the markets based on these new types of technologies, but it's not going to be as prolific as something like static analysis or dynamic analysis. Hmm, which is interesting because I know we've also talked about that in relation to the OWASP top 10 in terms of building some of those protections in. So here this is predicting that it, it's still not going to be adopted. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of reason why the OWASP Top 10, the new release candidates, and with the new management that that program is under, they have said that they're going to remove number seven from that's, that exists in the, in the release candidate, which was the need for basically application self-protection. Uh, mm-hmm. They decided that's such a politically motivated. We've talked about that at length here too, but it's such a politically motivated and charged <laughs> type of issue that they're just going to yank it out. Uh, but I think Gartner's Gartner's kind of backing them up here to some degree. Mm. Interesting. Uh, so just as a reminder, so Gartner's when they're talking about application security testing, they're talking about uh, static application security testing so this is the type of tools that are going through and looking at they're scanning the source code the byte code or the binary code looking for different security vulnerabilities that exist uh, this is something that's normally done while the code's actually being written it's something that's really good to do on a cycle and then they talk about dynamic application security testing so this is software that's going to be testing the that when the software is actually running itself so it's it's kind of like a vulnerability scanner but in much more depth in that it has a lot of knowledge and understanding about how the application is working itself and it then is able to look for different types of well-known vulnerabilities especially in the web app space like the OWASP top 10 issues it's 
able to automate the hunt for those in the actual running operational software. And the last one is this new category that's the interactive application security testing. And the general idea here is you're going you're gonna to put some type of a module of software that's provided by a, a third-party vendor. You're going to include that inside of your application. And when your application is running, this other security software is going to also be running. You can think of it as running inside your application. And what that, what that interactive IAST software is doing is it's actually searching for vulnerabilities from the inside of the application where it has access to all the data that's moving in different directions. And it really has a unique vantage point from kind of within the, uh, the, the running application itself. So the difference between this and a runtime is it's inside the application versus something outside running and, and monitoring? Yeah, I think that's a good uh, a good way to understand it. I don't have a lot of experience with RASP, and that's probably something that uh, we probably need to do an episode just on these three, uh, specifically on the interactive AST versus the RASP tools. Uh, would be a great uh, great episode for us to do up in the future, so we can learn even more about how these two things kind of fit together. Yeah, that'd be good because uh, you know, I'm curious now. We're talking about it. You know, what are the differences? What are the similarities? Yeah, and then so the other thing to know about these um, magic quadrant type reports that Gartner does. So they basically, if you've never seen one of these charts, you gotta go to Google Images and just type in Gartner magic quadrant. It's a um, it's a four it's a it's a kind of it's a chart that has basically four different boxes that make up one big giant box, and they measure these individual companies based on one axis as on their ability to execute. And then the other axis is their completeness of vision. So what this is basically telling you is the more mature companies that have a strong vision and are, are likely going to be around for a long time, they have an established kind of track record, are going to tend to fall into their top right quadrant, their leaders sector. And then their challengers on the, on the top left kind of quadrant here, these are going to be people that are, maybe they don't have as complete of a vision, but they do, they do have the track record that they'll be able to execute. And then the bottom right gives you these, this idea of visionaries. These are the people that have a great vision, but maybe not as good of a, of a track record in execution. And then the niche players fall into that bottom left where these are, these are kind of people that are on the fringe of this industry. And um, if we kind of look at where people fell into from different vendors in this particular space, uh, most of the folks in the bottom left and the niche players, I don't really even recognize those. Did you recognize anybody? Man, I guess I know Port Swigger because they make Burp Sweet. But I didn't right. recognize anybody else in that list. Did you? I did not. That was the one, that was the one I didn't recognize. Portswear. Yeah. So that's so that kind of tells you. You know, Robert and I are both heavily engaged in the application security world, and most of the companies in that niche player we haven't even heard of before, or, or have have not had any interaction with. Whereas I can say everybody in the visionaries, leaders, and challengers, I know those companies and I know what they do. And right. so if you look at the visionaries, that's the only only company that appears in that box is Contrast Security. This is uh, Jeff Williams' company that is focused on um, their contrast platform that does the IAST stuff. Uh, the challengers, you got people like Checkmarks and Qualys and Acunetics. These are companies that are doing a mixture of static and dynamic and maybe even getting into some of the uh, interactive 
testing capabilities now. And then the leaders is kind of the standard people you'd think of that you'd find there. This is HPE, Veracode, IBM, Synopsys, White Hat Security. So these are the well-established people that have a good roadmap and good uh, track record of delivery in this overall space. And then, the, I mean, the rest of this document is really just, it, it, it does a breakdown of strengths and, and cautions based on each of these vendors. So if you're, like I said, if you're somebody who's going to get into adding these types of tools into your, uh, your suites and, and building them into your program, I mean, this is, this is a good document that's done a lot of the research for you into what does the industry look like. And so, you know, I use these as tools just to kind of stay abreast of what's happening and uh, who are really the movers and shakers in any given industry, uh, especially in the world of application security. Right. And yeah, so there are some names that we saw here that we don't know. It, it bears uh, checking out, see who, what they're doing. I think uh, this is a good, good way to find out what, others are doing out there in the industry. Yeah, I'd certainly agree with that. I mean, if I was actively looking to add some application security testing capability to an existing program that I was running, um, I certainly wouldn't shy away from the niche players. I would do some research into what their offerings are because a lot of times you've got you've got uh, a lot of innovation happening in the bottom half of the Gardner quadrants here in the niche players and visionaries because those are more, more likely going to be the startups in this space and we know that startups can are, are more nimble and they can they can move they can just move faster and they can release software a lot faster than a lot of the big folks out there that have more established kind of release cycles and things so definitely don't discount the bottom half of the quadrants of, of the niche or the visionaries take a look at all the different solutions and just weigh them together based on what your needs are and what the types of tools are you think you're going to start with in your program so yeah i guess with that robert this kind of draws to an end our first uh kind of experimental episode so folks i would encourage you to uh please uh hit us up on twitter and um at with the at AppSec podcast Twitter handle, um, tag us and, and let us know kind of what you thought of this new format. If you thought it was good, if you thought it was terrible, you won't hurt Robert's feelings. You will potentially hurt mine, but that's okay. I'll get over it over a sub amount of time. Um, but we thank you for taking the time to listen to this today, and uh, we look forward to meeting up with some of you at AppSec USA. And uh, we just hope that uh, you have a very secure rest of your day. listening to the Application Security Podcast. Our intro music is 8-Bit Kung Fu by Born and TJ, and the outro is Southern Delight by Stefan Kartenberg. You can find us on Twitter at AppSecPodcast or on the web at www.appsecpodcast.org.